it seemed like it was the place to be. It seemed like everyone who was anyone was there. There were people from various nations speaking multiple languages. They were gathering around to see what was going on. And this celebration included music, so much music, so many different music groups playing so many instruments. And there it was at the center of it all, visible for miles around, a massive statue. I mean, the thing was 90 feet tall. And get this, it was made of gold. And it made everyone around tremble with respect and even terror. And then, while we're, while we're taking this all in, there was a herald who proclaimed in a loud voice, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, languages, that when you hear the music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And so therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So I want us to remember the picture we just took in. I want us, we're going to circle back in a little bit. I want us to remember that place you just went to, hopefully in your imagination, and, and, that, and that this true historical event that I just described, because that true historical event seemed to be the place to be, but it was all wrong. It seemed to be in honor of the king of all kings. But was it? So remember that scene we just imagined, and we'll come back. If you haven't already, grab your Bibles and open to Daniel chapter 3. Some of you, as I was talking, you know, you could hardly enjoy the picture I was painting. You were scrambling to find it in your Bible. That's okay. Grab your Bibles, open with me to Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to continue our series through the book of Daniel. Feel free to use the table of contents. It's probably the easiest way to find the Daniel in your Bible. Certainly love you to have your Bibles with you or, a, or an app, your Bible app opened on a device and follow along with us so that we can be taught from, directly from God's word. We're going to continue through uh, this book of Daniel in our series that we're calling Thriving in Babylon. But, let, but let's, uh, let's set the stage a little bit here before we continue in the passage. That golden image that was just described it, it, on the plain, a flat area where this, this image, this golden image could be seen for miles around, what was it? Well, it definitely could have been uh, something King Nebuchadnezzar built in honor of one of his gods, one of the Babylonian gods. It could have been an image representing one of those pagan false gods, but most likely, or I don't know if I can even say most likely, we don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us explicitly, but there is some reasons. I wonder if the statue was Nebuchadnezzar himself. Here's why I think so, because there are historical documents that, that King Nebuchadnezzar wrote where he refers to it as my statue, and he called for people to respect him, and he said that my dynasty will continue. My reign will continue. Now, and also, think with me to last Sunday. Pastor Jake did a great job taking us through Daniel chapter 2. Think with me to last Sunday's passage. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he wants his, some, somebody to do what? Interpret the dream. But what does he do? Does he tell him the dream? 
He doesn't even tell him the dream. But Daniel, because of God's work through Daniel, is able to not only tell him the dream, but interpret the dream for him. And here was the interpretation. On the screen is an image uh, that kind of represents what, what Nebuchadnezzar saw in the dream. And Daniel's interpretation was that this statue made of different materials at every level represented successive dynasties or successive powers, nations, starting at the top with the gold representing the Babylonian Empire, King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, and then it would be followed by this, and it would be followed by that. Are you tracking with me? So what if his dream looked like that, and Daniel interpreted it to be him, the golden head, and his reign eventually coming to an end, so maybe Nebuchadnezzar thought, ha, I'll fix this dream, and he built this all gold, as if to fly in the face of God's interpretation of his dynasty coming to an end. I am Nebuchadnezzar. This is all about me, and my reign will never end. So he made the whole entire statue in gold. So in the first few weeks here of our study in Daniel, we've been painting a certain picture of Nebuchadnezzar. And when you and I hear stories, whether it's a biblical true story, or we go and read a book, or we go to the movies, who do you and I like to identify with in the story? The hero, the winner, the good guy. Or do we at times, when the scriptures are causing us to learn, do we at times need to consider more if we're more like Nebi than we think, than we'd like to think? Do I have a puffed-up view of myself at times? Do you at times get so caught up in what you're all about and what you're capable of and what your gifts are and what you have to offer the world that we look around at the people around us and think, yeah, you know, come on. Pay some respects to me and my deeds and all that I am. I mean, you know, it's the whole, oh, stop. Please don't talk about me. Come on. Oh, oh you know. Maybe we're more like Nebi than we would like to think. When Jesus is the one who is due worship, honor, and glory. So this giant, 90-foot-tall, golden image, perhaps an image that Nebuchadnezzar has built of himself... This giant golden image is nothing less than an idol. Something, something not God put in place of God. Now, just for the fun of it, don't, I think we have to take in, let's take, let's take in the scale here for fun. Uh, many of you know the gold man, the Oregon pioneer on the top of the Salem Capitol building. There he is. The gold man, the Oregon pioneer is, anybody know how many feet tall he is? 22 feet tall, Nebuchadnezzar built a statue four times as big as the Oregon pioneer. Anybody ever been to Rio de Janeiro and seen Christ the Redeemer? Just a little taller than Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. That's a 98 foot tall Jesus. Uh, let's bring it a little closer to home. 
I don't know if this is true, because you don't know if you can believe everything that's in the newspaper, but to the best of my research, the clock tower of the Polk County Courthouse is about 95 feet tall. If you stand on the courthouse lawn and gaze up at the clock tower, imagine a giant golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar himself with the intent that it be worshipped like God. Because in the passage of scripture that we're in, the word worship is repeated 11 times. 11 times the emphasis of the passage is worship that golden statue. It shows Nebuchadnezzar's... Losing his mind. It shows Nebuchadnezzar's folly, his foolishness. And it's just another example of many, both historical and, if we're honest today, of humankind trying to raise themselves up to be like God. Now, before we get back into our passage in chapter 3, I want to take us to a verse in chapter 2 that Pastor Jake took us through last week. Here it is on the screen. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. It is him, it is the one true God who changes times and seasons, who removes kings and sets up kings, who gives power to nations and takes away nations. Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's got a lot of control over his dynasty, over his power, over who's in power, but does he? In our last chapter there that we studied last Sunday, we were reminded that it's the one true God who changes times and seasons, who removes kings and sets up kings. And yet, we've already seen twice repeated in our chapter three passage, this phrase, that the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Set up. He thought he set it up. He thought he put it in power. He thought it represented, but it is God who sets up the kings of the world and takes down the kings of the world. May it not be all about us, church family. May our lives not be all about us. May they be all about Jesus. So join me in in your Bible, hopefully, chapter Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to pick up the story at verse 8. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward, Babylonian people, and maliciously accused the Jews, God's people. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you have made a command that they shall fall down and worship the golden image. Verse 11. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. But, O king, verse 12, there are certain Jews whom you appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, as followers of Jesus, studying our Bibles and seeking how to live, most often when it comes to rulers and authorities and governing, governing authorities, 
as, the, as we study the Bible and as we live as people honoring Jesus in our world, most often we are to respect and submit to the governing authorities. We see this in places like this verse on, in 1 Peter, that we are to be subject to the, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor or the governors, because why? Because it's God who sent them to punish who do evil and praise those who do good. And so, as a, for the most part, this is our, our opportunity as believers in Jesus, is to recognize that all authority comes from God, and so even authority in place over us that we don't agree with has been put in place by God, and we have an opportunity to submit for the Lord's sake. So then why did these three friends, that previous slide, could, could we go back one, Jim? Why do these three friends stand in defiance to Nebi's command? Because it was in direct conflict with a clear command from God, a clear command from the God of the universe. We know this command as the second commandment, and here it is. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, etc., etc., a carved image of anything man-made on the earth, made a person, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. That's the second commandment from God himself. And clearly to honor God by honoring the second commandment, Daniel's three friends could not do as instructed by King Nebuchadnezzar. Back to the passage, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar... In furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to him. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? And then it's almost like there's just a little glimmer in Nebuchadnezzar of, I'm going to give him a second chance. Verse 15, now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And look at that question from Nebuchadnezzar at the end of that verse. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Who is the God who is going to deliver you when I throw you in a burning, fiery furnace? But those three men, those three teenagers, standing in defiance to Nebuchadnezzar's command because they choose to honor their, the true God above all, can we stop for a minute and recognize this God-given bravery? Can you put yourself in this situation? Don't let it just be a Sunday school story from 40 years ago. Can we put ourselves in, in those shoes and recognize what God-enabled bravery this is to remain standing? Courage to face the furnace rather than turn their back on their faith in the one true God. One of the commentators I studied this week had this to say about faith. Faith is obedience 
to all of God's sovereign commands. So here we have Daniel's friends wanting to obey his command to not worship an idol. Faith is obedience to all God's sovereign commands and to trust in God's sovereign will. Even when we're standing before fiery trials of life, church family, again, can we, can we put ourselves there? As followers of Jesus, what does our faith look like? To obey Jesus' commands, to live for him, to follow him wherever he leads us, to follow him through whatever circumstances come our way, to trust that he knows what he's doing. Now, hopefully, in your com- some things should start to come to your mind of what you're going through, because I realize that you have not heard the announcement that you have to bow down to a golden image. That is not happening in your life right now. But what obstacle, what trial, what difficulty, what pain, what suffering is? Because as I look around, I could name some of those things that are painful and not going away and difficult and yet part of this earthly journey so what does it look like for us to follow jesus to 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 obey him to live for him to obey his commands and yet to trust that he knows what he's doing uh we 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 need to stick take a couple more minutes here i'm going to invite you to some reflection so first i already said it but bring to mind what's something difficult that's that's in your path right now? What's a trial? What's a difficulty? What's suffering? What's painful that you perhaps are experiencing in life right now? Now, facing that situation, enduring the painful, broken realities of a broken and sinful world, harm against us, consequences for our own sin as that comes to mind and as you ask for God's help to get through do we have a God produced biblical faith that looks like this do we have a a God produced biblical faith that has the assurance that we could say this can we say I know my God is able to rescue me. Think to yourself. Think with God for a moment. Talk with God for a moment. Can you say in your heart with assurance that my God is able? He is mighty. He is powerful. He can do anything he wants. He, is, he can rescue me from whatever it is I'm facing. He can deliver me. He can bring me through. He is able. He is strong and mighty. And then does our biblical faith then follow that up with the confidence to say, I believe that my God will deliver me. Mm. Is it getting a little tougher for some of us? Yeah, I know the first one. God, I know you're able. You're powerful. You're able. But, how, but where are we when it comes to this second one here? In the midst of our difficulties, can we say with confidence, I believe that God will deliver me. I believe in miracles. I believe in cancer just going away. I believe in strength to parent. 
I believe in, in getting through broken relation, human relationships. I believe that he will get me through. Because I think we stop short here sometimes. I think we start putting up asterisks and letting God off the hook. Not really sure if he will. And these, and the third one, and these are, these are right out of Daniel's friend's experience. This is what we see Daniel's friends living out, is having the assurance that God can deliver, the confidence that he will deliver, and yet, and yet, in addition to that, the submission to say, even if he does not. I will trust him. Take one more, take just a few seconds here and, and, and look at those and talk with God about those and ask him to grow your faith. Okay, back into the scripture passage, Daniel 3. Now we're at verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of his mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. When these men, when these three teenagers were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace, because of the king's order was so urgent and the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed the men that took the three into the furnace. The flames jumped out and killed the men that were even just trying to get the three into the furnace. Verse 23, and these three men, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. And another commentator I studied this week said, said this, am I, that we can ask ourselves this question, am I in the power of the Holy Spirit committed to living a life that exemplifies what we find in Daniel's friends? Am I resisting the ways of the world as they did, even when it means taking the risk that they did? We have, as we walk through the passage here, this true historical passage, we have opportunity to see Daniel and friends learn to thrive in Babylon, learn to live for God in a godless culture. And may you and I be willing to resist the ways of the world as they did, even if it means taking the risk that they did. And our ultimate example 
It's, it's nice to have human examples from Scripture. But they're just human. They're not perfect. They're not the hero. The hero of God's story right here is our Savior Jesus. The ultimate example that we look to is Jesus who gave his life at every moment of Jesus' human life. He, he, he gave his life to worshiping God and serving God alone no matter what it meant. And what did it mean? Jesus' service and worship to the one true God willing to do whatever God had in mind for him took him to the foot of the cross. It took him to the the pinnacle point of history. Jesus' obedience to God's rescue plan caused Jesus to face death, and not just death, but brutal execution via crucifixion. So much much was Jesus' experience. Jesus, fully God, and yet fully human, living on earth, submitting himself to the worship and service of the one true God, got to the hours before the cross, and Jesus wasn't sure if his will could be conformed to the Father's will because he saw what was coming. To the point where, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus cries out to the Heavenly Father and says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. In other words, is this the way this has to go? Can we rescue your people another way? But how does he finish his prayer? The way that we ought to learn to finish our prayer. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Faith is submitting to God's will even when it differs from ours. And Jesus is the ultimate example right there for us. That faith is submitting to God's will even when it differs from ours. Even when we don't really like the idea of the fiery furnace. Even when we'd rather our life circumstances more conveniently go around the fiery furnace. And what do we think about the fact that Jesus submitted to the Father's plan? Praise the Lord that Jesus submitted to God's rescue plan, right? Praise the Lord that Jesus was willing to go to the cross because in case you've missed it, the gospel is the spectacular news that God rescues sinners like you and me through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus went willingly to the cross because he gave his life for us, we too can have life, life now and life with him forever. Praise the Lord that Jesus was able to say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, remember the guys had just gotten thrown in the fire. The three had just gotten thrown into the furnace. The furnace was so hot that what? The guards or whoever died. And here we pick it up, verse 24. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Hey, wait, 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 wait. Did we not cast three men into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. (laughs) He answered and said, But I see four. I see four men walking around. Oh, by the way, unbound, not tied up anymore, and walking around in the midst of the fire. And they're not hurt. (laughs) 
This is what Nebuchadnezzar is observing. And again, can we put ourselves there? Would we be astonished? Would this be what we were expecting to look into the furnace and see? Nebuchadnezzar says, they don't, they're not hurt. And the appearance of this fourth person is like a son of the gods. This, this is unbelievable. This is amazing. This is miraculous. This is, this is Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah being thrown into a fiery furnace and the king going, wait a second, I see four. And, 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 and the Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but smart people think it's, it's either an angel with his people or something we call a Christophany, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. In other words, Jesus hasn't come to the earth in human form yet and won't for quite a while. But in biblical record, we might call this a Christophany, a physical appearance of Jesus, even though Jesus hasn't arrived on the scene yet. So both of those are cool, right? Angel or pre-incarnate Jesus. So whichever it is, you know what it is, church family? Whoever it is, it's an indication that God is with us in the furnace. Did you hear that? Whatever your furnace is, Whatever your painful trial, difficult suffering, obstacle, whatever life's difficulties looks like, he's with you. And when we talk about the three being thrown in a fiery furnace, this is a gnarly situation. When I look around the room and know some of your stories and some of what the difficulties that my family endures, these are difficult circumstances, serious situations. So in the midst of that, perhaps you'll allow me a lighthearted moment, an opportunity to share with you a cheesy Christian meme that I came across this week. A couple of days ago was the 4th of May, and some of you that are Star Wars fans know that the, te- the tendency on May the 4th is to say, may the 4th be with you. If Aaron was still up here, I'd get like a rim shot, right? So that's a cheesy Star Wars joke. May the fourth be with you. But how cool is this? When you find yourself in the fiery furnace going through a difficult earthly trial, what if I pray for you? May the fourth be with you. I came across this this week as I'm prepping to teach this message. So cheesy or not, I had to include it. As you're going through what you go through, as you want to skirt it, as you wish there was a way around the obstacle, fiery furnace, instead, can our prayer for each other be to recognize that the fourth is with us? Okay, we're going to read God's word again, so let's turn off the cheesy meme. Thanks, Jim. (laughs) Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fiery furnace and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then I say, Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah, their God-given, their, their names that mean related to the true God, not the names that were put on them by Nebuchadnezzar. Then, has, uh, then Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael came out of the fire. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. The hair on their heads was not singed, 
I may or may not know somebody who got too close to their burn pile and singed their eyebrows. So, so it could happen to the best of us, right? And these guys come out of the fire, and, and God's word makes note that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and there was no smell of fire upon them. You want to talk about protected? Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered, rescued his servants, who trusted in him, and they set aside the king's command. They were willing to stand against what I said, and they yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking now, with, with suddenly found respect for the one true God. We'll see how this plays out in Nebi's life as we continue studying in, in the next few weeks. And so therefore, verse 29, Nebuchadnezzar says, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Can I get an Amen. We just amen to Nebuchadnezzar. That seems weird. But you know what I mean. We, there is no other God that can rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So there's a story, a true historical event from God's word that you may or may not have been familiar with before this morning. But let's look at a couple of other verses from Scripture to, to, to put this into perspective for ourselves. Beloved church family, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. I think we think this about difficulties in life. What's up with that? Why do I got to deal with that? This is weird. Life should be comfortable and go my way. So one more time, church family, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And then from, straight from the words of our Lord, Master, Savior, Son of God, Jesus, straight from his mouth, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Church family, in Jesus you may have peace. And then he continues, Jesus says, in the world you may have some tough time. Did I say that? You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The fourth is with you. Daniel's friends, in this true historical event, Daniel's friends were rescued, were miraculously delivered. And church family, I wish I could promise to you that you will be miraculously delivered from your fiery furnace. But I can't. But I can tell you 
that he has overcome the world and that he is with you. Daniel's friends, they were rescued. And God doesn't always deliver his people out of pain, trial, and difficulty, but he is with us. He brings grace and peace even in the midst of our chaos. Let me, have the, let me ask the worship team to come on up, please. And the worship team's going to come on up and get ready to help us to lift our voices in worship. And as they come up, let me invite all of you to go ahead and stand up, please. Remember the, remember the scene that I described at the beginning this morning? Hopefully we remember it a bit. Remember describing the scene, the celebration, the music, that everybody gathered, everybody who was anybody was gathered. We described this morning that true historical event, and that true historical event seemed to be the place to be, but it was all wrong. That, that celebration that we imagined in our minds from God's word a few minutes ago, that celebration seemed to be in honor of the king above all kings. But was it? So let's go from that true historical event to let me tell you some true future fact events. It will be the place to be. It will be the place to be. Everyone who has been rescued by God's grace through putting their faith in Jesus Christ, every one of those will be there. A great multitude of people that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, and at the center of it all, visible to all, giving light to all, is the King of kings, Lord of the universe, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The magnificent sound of never-ending worship, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, Jesus, receiving the respect and honor and glory that he is due, and all of us getting to proclaim salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Amen.